Hey everyone, and welcome back to Any Crack with me, Shannon Callahan. Hey everyone, welcome back to Any Crack Podcast, a podcast where I talk about culture, traditions, weird oddities, things that I notice, my life basically, talking about assimilating to a new culture and what that's like for me. If you have been listening for a while, you know that this season, especially, I've been trying out a new series called Shan Uses Her Degree, where I talk about something related to, I think all of them have been Irish kind of holidays and things, um, or moments in Irish history. I don't think I've really done too much about the U.S. in this series, but today is no different. I'm going to be talking about Samhain, which is where we find the origins of Halloween here in Ireland. I am joined today by my friend Emma, and what I love about this series is that when I'm chatting with people, we it's these are conversations that I'm having as in my, you know, in my day-to-day life as I'm learning about Irish history, traditions, culture, things like that. So this conversation with Emma is no different. We're talking about Samhain. We're talking about traditions for Halloween here in Ireland. We're sharing stories about our childhoods and our experiences of Halloween. We're getting off topic. We're talking about food. We're talking about um, we're talking about loads of different things. And so yeah, I just I won't keep you any longer. I'll just get right into it. You know the drill. Enjoy this episode with Emma. Okay, so if you want to start, uh, you can introduce (laughs) yourself, whatever feels relevant um, for the listeners to hear. And then of course, uh, as you know, because you are a great fan of the show, if you can share what your favorite thing about me is, uh, and then we'll go from there. Okay, sounds good. Hi everyone, my name is Emma and um, I'm a friend of Shannon's from Her Masters. I am Irish but I didn't grow up here, I grew up in Hong Kong so sort of have some experience with a lot of these things in Ireland but also I went to an American school um, so I also understand a lot more of like Shannon's references and stuff Um, like when she's talking about grades and things and like the SATs, I did those. They were super fun. Yeah. (laughs) okay and then what is your favorite thing about me I really love your perspective on things like I feel like you always give really good advice but also just I know if I come to you with anything or like hearing your stories and stuff are always really funny um and I don't know I just appreciate kind of your perspective on the world and your input thank you yes my stories are nothing if not entertaining for (laughs) the masses I have asked you on today to help me because it was kind of inspired by, and I don't want this to sound really mean, but it might end up sounding really mean, so sorry. But basically, there was somebody who I had gone to college with who had visited Ireland recently enough and posted on Instagram kind of some thoughts about their visit to Ireland. And one of the things that this person mentioned was oh, like Halloween's a big deal in Ireland as well. Like there's decorations out already. And this was kind of like probably mid to late September. So I was like, you know, I read that and I was like, it's not just a big deal. 
in Ireland, it is originating in Ireland. So Mm -hmm. certainly across time and across cultures, of course, there are many ways that um, various indigenous peoples figured out or tried to make sense of what was happening as the days grew shorter, harvest season was coming to an end, things like that. So certainly as cultures have spread across the world, there's been various ways that things have melted together in the U.S., certainly the Day of the Dead from comes up from Mexico and influences things. But what we're going to talk about today and kind of in another episode of Shan uses her degree, Emma, you and I, I thought it would be a good idea to kind of chat about the, the origins of Halloween, mm-hmm. um, kind of some of the ways that or a lot of the ways that it comes across from actually from Ireland and then some of the traditions that people might not realize in the U.S. that come from the traditions here. So it's not just that it's a big deal here, but that it actually originates here. Um, so I figured we could just start there. Um, and as you said, yeah, you're a great person to bring in because you know some of these traditions from going to an American school in Hong Kong, as well as then kind of knowing the Irish traditions from your own family and moving back here for school and things like that. So that's the plan for the day. Yeah. So let's talk about it. What is Halloween in Ireland? (laughs) Well, I guess traditionally, obviously it has its roots in Salon, which was one of the like four main Celtic festivals. Um, so they have them to kind of mark, I think they're like every three months to mark the changing of the seasons and stuff. Um, so this was one of the big ones, as you said, kind of harvest time. And it was the transition between autumn and winter. So days were starting to get shorter. And apparently then it kind of evolved because it started out as a Celtic festival and then sort of evolved um, and got linked to All Saints Day, the Christian festival as well so then Halloween was sort of seen as like a vigil and a night of like feasting and devilment before you then had the more kind of stoic holiday of All Saints Day where people lit candles to and it was like a day of remembrance for those that had passed away in the last year and it was a day that their spirits were supposed to pass over and then Samhain originally was also seen as like the day where the veil between our world and the sort of other world or like the fairy realm was a bit looser so not only could like the dead come back and visit their relatives but you know there are all sorts of links to fairies becoming more prevalent and things like the puka who's like a main kind of shape-shifting character in Irish folklore that they used to come about they often appear as a horse or like other animals but one of the myths about them is that like anything left in the field if you hadn't harvested in time anything left in the field was then considered like puka like fairy blasted and then thus inedible it's one of those things where when we look back in history as i was kind of saying in in the intro there like all of these ancient civilizations were trying to make sense of the days getting darker 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 the food yeah they're harvesting trying to make sure that they have enough for their communities and for their families and what we start to see is this recognition that there is a day or you know a period of time kind of where things seem to be like uncertain if the light if the days will get longer again if there will be a new season and harvest and I kind of think yeah around this time is where you start to see this these festivals 
kind of come out across various cultures. And then, yeah, for Ireland, it evolved into Samhain, which let's spell Samhain because <laughs> this is um, an Irish word. So as with most Irish words, it does not get pronounced how it appears. So it's S-A-M-H-A-I-N. Yeah, because the M-H often in Irish um, can have kind of a W sound. Yeah. Usually it's it's either a V sound like in Neve mm-hmm. or a kind of W sound like in Samhain. Samhain, yeah. So yeah, this is basically, we're talking about a festival. We're talking about a celebration. We're talking about a chance to kind of there you know where where ghosts and fairies and things may have kind of a stronger crossover between realms and things like that this belief of of these spirits being able to move across realms um but yeah just all rooted in spirituality rooted in um harvest season um trying to kind of ensure the safety of the people as the winter comes and as the the return of a spring and the next harvest season feels uncertain so are there any kind of popular stories that your family might have told you or anything like that kind of from your childhood about, you know, any ghost stories or does that play into celebrations of Samhain or what are your kind of childhood memories of kind of how your family might have taught you about Halloween? Well, it was always a really big thing. Like my mom always goes all out um, with decorations. Um, she used to love getting my house ready, like ages in advance. And, you know, we do things like carve pumpkins um, and we used to go trick-or-treating. But then I think that was more because it was so big in our school as well. Like, I think my mommy's really into Halloween, but the trick-or-treating and that side of things was also because we went to an American school. Whereas at home, my parents, when they were younger, would have celebrated it really differently. Mm. Um, Because they also did go trick-or-treating, but they used to get instead of sweets and things, um, apples and nuts used okay. to be like much, much bigger. Mm. Um, and there is a whole thing, it's sort of a bit of a stereotype at this stage, I think, but like a lot of Irish children back in the day would have been dressed as like bin bag witches, like that was the costume. You wouldn't have gone out and bought mm. things. Like, and pretty much everyone was like a witch or a vampire. There wasn't a lot of, I guess, diverse, you know, he wouldn't have necessarily gone as like your favorite movie character you would have been a witch with a bin bag mm. as a dress. Um, but I don't know, we didn't really do ghost stories all that much. My dad, kind of separate to Halloween, he used to tell us that he'd met the Headless Horseman um, in, a, in a field in Wicklow, but I don't think that was Halloween related. That was just, <laughs> that was <laughs> used just to say. Yeah, just a, just a scary story um, yeah. like at all times of the year. Um, but I was talking to my aunt today and we were chatting about this and she was saying my dad's sister like when they were little they used to go over to their aunt's house um, and they always used to do bobbing for apples Mm. which was a really big thing Um, and they also used to I think when they were very young instead of going around for sweets or anything like that um, they I think used to also get money yeah which is kind of interesting because I was looking at my absolute favorite resource, the school's folklore collection, mm. um, which is a collection of stories that were collected in the 1930s and 40s. And it's primary school children across Ireland used to ask parents, relatives, kind of 
questions about folklore and they wrote all the answers down and recorded them. So now it's an online archive. And apparently Halloween night used to also be known as Amlays. I don't know if I'm saying that right, but it was a day where people used to dress up, usually young people like dress up in kind of funny costumes, they wouldn't be recognized. And they'd go around the houses collecting coins. Um, and apparently it was a great way to make money. Yeah, that's, see, this is the way to do it. Yeah. Be to get money. <laughs> I mean, the candy's nice and all, but like, I like for me, I, there was always candy in my house, so I didn't particularly, <laughs> unless I wanted a brand that wasn't Hershey's, like I could very easily always have candy access. <laughs> we used yeah. to not be able to eat all our candy, like we had to like divvy it up and my mom makes like kind of rational eggs that we didn't uh, yeah. um, eat it all in one go. Yeah, I think we didn't eat too, too much. My mom will definitely message me and remind me of how we did this. But I don't, I feel like we definitely didn't eat everything that night because it would have like, it would have been like nine o'clock sure before we were even back into the house. <laughs> and like, there's no way that we were allowed to eat candy until like 10 o'clock at night, no yeah. way. <laughs> but the fun, fun thing kind of about, well, not fun, but like interesting piece of information, I, I guess about um, trick-or-treating that I'm reminded of from my youth is that we didn't trick-or-treat on Halloween, so our area had kind of set this rule that trick-or-treat would be the last Thursday in October, and mm -hmm. so I didn't realize until I was a bit older that that wasn't the case everywhere and that actually trick-or-treating was supposed to happen on Halloween, mm -hmm. but for us, it was always, I think, the, yeah, the last Thursday of October. Um, I think it was probably like a safety thing. Um, or something like that but yeah it had been laid down that that was the rule for my area and so um we kind of celebrated halloween in that way a little bit earlier and then like halloween was mischief night then so that was mm -hmm. kind of where like the, the quote-unquote bad kids would go around like egging people's houses or whatever if they so chose to um partake so that was what we called mischief night and that was kind of where I guess that's kind of where it aligns a bit more with this idea of like this is where like you know the spooky stuff is really going to happen if you know mm -hmm. this is where you want to be going to like the haunted houses or whatever because that's yeah kind of going back to the traditional thoughts of like this is where the even in in the kind of day of the dead celebrations in the Mexican traditions this idea that like this is where the portal between the, the living realm and the those who have passed on is kind of thinnest I suppose yeah. that it's easier for these spirits to kind of cross over and back and things like that so that would have been most likely to happen on actual Halloween whereas like the fun get dressed up go get candy was always the last Thursday so that's like oh. that was that's my town anyway and I don't know if it was that way I don't think it was even that way across Pennsylvania like I feel like it was very specific to where I grew up but, so I guess yeah. as well, like if you're not getting it, because here it's a public holiday. So the fact that you always, yeah. if it's on a weekend, you always get the Monday off. Yeah. means it's much easier then to trick or treat on actual Halloween. But if you have to go to yeah. school. Yeah. Yeah. Well, that's another thing, I suppose, as well. Yeah, it is considered a bank holiday here. So you do get a day off um, for Halloween because it's in line with, like, you know, obviously 
the 4th of July isn't a holiday here. Though sometimes people, I feel like, forget that when they come here that like <laughs> it has a, it's Independence Day for the U.S. So like, of course, it's not going to be off here. But like, obviously, that's not here. Um, you don't celebrate like Memorial Day or Veterans Day, things mm-hmm. like that. So the holidays here are around, um, yeah, like Halloween, St. Patrick's Day, um, St. Bridget's Day being kind of added or Imbolc being mm-hmm. added onto the thing, yeah, which... Emma, should we go down that side rant of what St. Bridget's Day is in, in talking about those four festivals of the year? Do we dare go down that path? Just the fact that it's the beginning of summer, is that? Spring. Spring, sorry, yeah, not spring, not summer, spring. Yeah. Yeah, February. yeah, so in Ireland, they celebrate the 1st of February as, or in, is it the 1st of February? Yeah. yeah. Or the first through what, the first week of February at some stage yeah. is I think St. all Bridget's of them are the day. first of the, the month, yeah. Yeah, it as the first day of spring, which is chaotic as yeah, all it, get out. And it this makes is- because then you're like, November to January is winter. Except it's not because it's still cold in February. This is, Emma and I are very good friends and we have never fought except around this topic of when does spring begin because in Ireland and only in Ireland, spring begins in February. And when I said it to, that's exactly what I was just going to say. Yeah, that's when the daffodils come up is what I'm always told. But um, yeah. But then, so that's that's another one of the festivals is to mark kind of the start of spring and it's gotten tied in as many of these like traditionally kind of like Celtic holidays have come to be these pagan, more pagan traditions. They've come to be adapted for like Christian religion. So St. Bridget's Day kind of adapting this sort of inbox, you know, beginning of spring celebration that kind of more traditionally um would have been celebrated again as well of making it out of the darkness of winter mm-hmm. and kind of into the new harvest of the spring so obviously we're like I'm not a Samhain expert so I can't really speak too much on it but I remember kind of the first year that I was here there was a parade and a festival so let's talk I suppose about what does Halloween look like in Ireland today so kind of a very brief history of like how it came to be in sort of the Celtic tradition but how is it how would you say it's celebrated today what's your experience been? I guess one of the main things is it's so different I think when you're older like I know Mm. we celebrated one Halloween here when I was little um so we would have gone trick-or-treating and stuff then in my mom's like where my mom grew up we went around with her family and like that was really lovely as a big group of us um but I think kind of when people get a bit older it's more parties and things but then also there'll always be like bonfires people set off fireworks which is something that I don't really think it's done for Halloween in a lot of other places. Um, and sometimes as well, I think just once October starts, sometimes the fireworks and bonfires will start. They don't yeah. even need to wait for like the night itself. Yeah. Yeah, we did, We definitely wouldn't be doing fireworks for Halloween. And I don't like, obviously, as the weather gets colder, you are more likely to like have fires outside and stuff but it's not I wouldn't say yeah like bonfires as a intentional like Halloween thing happens it's more so just oh it's cold but not too cold so let's light a fire outside and like roast marshmallows and sit around a campfire and tell stories but certainly as well though like there is a tradition of like telling ghost stories around a campfire for like around Halloween time but 
So maybe adapted a little bit, but not kind of bonfire-y. Because that links back to, the bonfires link back to the Samhain tradition. I think so. But I think also just some people like any excuse for fireworks and things like that as well. Yeah, so, of course. You know. Yeah. Yeah. And then there's yeah, always... There's like tangential link they're willing to like... Yeah. 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 This has been celebrated for thousands of years. Yeah. So certainly I am lighting this fire in the spirit of tradition, but also more so just because I want to. Yeah. And um, I guess it links into like, play, you know, like a night of devilment. You're like, if you're setting yeah. a firework all over the place and like scaring dogs, that is quote unquote in the spirit. Yeah. Would yeah. you guys have the same sort of like watching scary movies? Um, is that a big part of the time of year? I think so I think like for a lot of people but I don't know how much of that I guess because we were sort of saying it's sort of funny that I think traditionally Halloween some of the traditions were brought over to the states by Irish immigrants yeah Um, you know and then then they kind of also took things back like apparently pumpkin carving was a traditional I don't know how true this is like maybe you'll know more but apparently that was like an American harvest time thing that then kind of came back to Ireland. Mm. And then, so I think a lot of those things, like say the watching of scary movies and stuff is maybe something that would be like more instilled in us because it's stuff that they do in the States. Yeah. And like has become so prevalent that now people have like taken those traditions back here. Yeah, certainly like globalization has blurred some of the lines and like I think kind of think looking at the the person who had come over and made the commentary you know it was about all of the decorations that were on sale and things like that you know this kind of decorating your house and having that kind of theme certainly I like would kind of cross back and forth I think and yeah kind of the way that dressing up has come to be you know perhaps it was brought over to the U.S. by Irish people but then like this sort of the way that it's kind of evolved has now been brought back from America to Ireland and this kind of going to costume parties and things like that is maybe a bit more going back and forth so certainly yeah, I think there's a lot of overlap of of things going on that though of like the kind of traditions and things so the bonfire we've mentioned that is that was yeah a big part of I think of of Fowen that was a big part of Samhain because it was meant to, the fire was meant to like ward off bad fortune is what I've read. People used to also dress up because I guess whether it was fairies or whether it was spirits, people used to dress up so that they wouldn't be recognized or that they might also pass for a spirit or a yeah. fairy and thus would be left alone. You mentioned, so jack-o'-lanterns I have as originally being carved out of turnips here oh yeah I think so I don't I think I said this to you the other day I don't know how true this is but it was in a book on Irish folklore that I had as a child Mm. um that used to you know uh, all about like myths and legends and then other kind of Celtic traditions and things like that and one of the things that that book mentioned is that apparently at one stage and maybe if there are any kind of Celtic historians they'll know better than than me on this but that people used to light candles in the skulls of their enemies and that was like one way of kind of protecting your house was obviously then to show that you had if you were a warrior how many people you had killed 
um, and to use them as like a warning or like their skulls, I guess, as a warning to their spirits to like stay away, which then allegedly transitioned into turnips because I guess it's probably more sustainable. Yeah, the thing that I had learned was that it was kind of connected to the bonfire in that they would hollow out the turnips to carry part of the fire home with them so that they still had kind of the the protection and the warding off of e- evil spirits on their walk home. That's that's what I had learned. But I suppose that's kind of the thing that I've been learning because I've been on a side like tangent um, reading about like Shanakis and like just oral storytelling traditions in general mm-hmm. um, and just kind of how like for hundreds of years nothing was written down. This is kind of the Celts were known for like only sharing their history orally. So mm-hmm. I suppose there's kind of a good chance that they're like you know your story and my story are both ones that have been told and passed down but we don't necessarily have all of the proof for because Mm -hmm. just of the nature of the Celts and I think that's kind of something as we're talking about Samhain and Halloween just and like the way that it would have moved over to the U.S. like it's also the way that it's kind of come to be in the U.S. perhaps is very specific to the Irish that left and this, you know, traditions that they might have had, the oral storytelling that they might have known, the folklore they known, how they brought that over with them. Um, Obviously, like that marks such a specific moment in time. Then yeah. it's kind of frozen, and then whereas I guess here, then the people that stayed, it might develop differently. Yeah, um, continue to sort of grow in a way that you'd be so much more careful of preserving it as it was if it was something you were passing down from a home that you no longer lived in. Yeah, exactly. And that's kind of, it's kind of interesting that the first thing that we think of when we see decorations over here is like, oh, the US is influencing Ireland, but it's like actually Ireland (laughs) influenced the US first and certainly like Mexico as well. And I'm sure other Mm -hmm. indigenous cultures um, have imbued um, their kind of harvest time spiritual you know beliefs about how the spirits move about like they've kind of influenced it as well yeah and one thing I don't know if you ever had this but like from sort of my own like understanding of say like barn brack I don't Mm. know if you've ever had that but that's something that would be traditionally eaten at Halloween so it's kind of like a I guess it is bread really like a bready sort of pastry with raisins or sultanas and things in it but normally also there'll at least be like a ring inside and then usually a pea or a bean and a piece of wood. And if you are the person lucky enough to get the ring in your slice of vine brack, um, that means you'll be married before the year is out. Yes. And then I think if you get the pea or the bean, you will remain a spinster or something. And then if you got the wood, it was a sign that you would die before the year is up. But apparently a load of Halloween traditions in Ireland are all kind of centered around fortune telling Um, and a lot of them and I don't know if this has links to the fact that it was a harvest festival initially or like has its origins in harvest time but loads of the fortune telling things um, because apparently because it is a transitional period um, and maybe like the veil between worlds is thinner you were supposed to be able to do things you wouldn't normally be able to do like tell your fortune but they're all based for a lot of them are based around the idea of getting married 
and a lot of them are apple based as well um like if if you were a girl and you like peeled an apple and you threw you have to peel it in one go and then the the apple skin if you throw it behind you um the initial that it looks like when it lands is the initial of the person that you're gonna marry so we used to do that's like we might be going off on a tangent now but we used to play this game when we were little where you'd twist the stem Mm -hmm. of an apple and it was like one twist around was a b c d and so whenever the the stem came off from twisting Mm -hmm. it so much that letter was the letter of the person you were gonna marry that was one of our kind of name games yeah for fortune Mm -hmm. that's so interesting yeah i wonder if it could be linked like yeah it could be um also yeah just a million and one games around like who are you gonna marry because obviously Mm -hmm. that's one of the ways that we're one of the things we're taught is really important but yes no with going back to the um the brack the like tea cake because one of my housemates used to make it um yeah and like I remember she used to like leave like the the fruit like in the tea kind of overnight and stuff like Mm -hmm. that and it was just it was one of those things it's one of those things like brack is something that you either really enjoy or you really don't yeah I I don't think I've actually ever had it because I don't like raisins in baked goods um very much not my cup of tea whereas I really enjoy it but I also like most things <laughs> if it's if it's like a bread or like a sweet bread or like a sweet mm-hmm. cake or something I'm probably going to enjoy it but yeah and I don't have a fruit a dried fruit issue <laughs> one thing I thought was really interesting was apparently and I guess it speaks to kind of the importance of buying bracket Halloween but it, it's been sold commercially since the 19th century so I kind oh. of thought that would be like a more modern because obviously you can get it in like every supermarket now. Yeah. But I would have thought that would have been a more modern push. Um, yeah. But no, like since the 1800s, you could buy it in shops. Oh, and yeah. with, you know, the ring, the pea, whatever people were putting into them. Because I think it it, it varies, it like yeah. location slightly. There's always a ring and then kind of everything else might change slightly. But they yeah. would sell them with the bits in them. That's not really done so much anymore because I think... That's that could, that's this lawsuit waiting to happen. Yeah, except for in Beulies, that you can still buy it from them. And I think the one that they serve in store, like if you went into Beulies the cafe um, and ordered it, you oh, might find the ring in your slice. Well, there you go. Next time you come to Dublin and you think you've done it all, go into Beulies and order a bit of brack. There you go, yeah. and see <laughs> if you get a ring. And if you don't, break up with your boyfriend or whatever you're supposed to do, <laughs> like whatever you're supposed to do. Um, yeah, try the apple thing first to make sure he's like the right person before you accept yeah. the ring. Yeah. yeah. Um. Yeah. Did you have any other like Samhain facts or like kind of Halloween memories or like I, Halloween's always been my favorite holiday. So like I'm always gonna want to be learning more about how it came to be and like what we're doing now and stuff like that. But do you have kind of any last tidbits? This is just something again from the school's popular collection, which is my absolute favorite. But I thought this was so funny. Like every story I read about this said that it was an old tradition. So it was old by like the 1930s, 1940s. Um, but it sounds absolutely gas where apparently people used to collect cabbage stalks. And what they would do is they would um, select a house of the grumpiest old man in the village or whatever. Mm-hmm. And they would hit the door with the cabbage stalks while yelling Halloween night. 
And then when the man opened the door, they would throw like pelting with cabbages or like throw cabbages into the house and then run away. Oh, there we go. <laughs> that's the mischief night, I guess. Yeah, it's like that's such a delightfully specific way to celebrate. Um, yeah. That's so weird. That's like so funny and so strange. Yeah, and the best it was one of the one of the stories noted that obviously because they would just steal cabbages down the fields of local farmers that the local farmers didn't love it, but they tolerated the tradition. So I think that's my yeah, maybe we should try to bring that back because that sounds really fun. Yeah. Who's the grouchiest old man that you know? (laughs) And do you know where there's any cabbage fields? Yeah, maybe yeah, we'll, might have to have a think on both kinds. Yeah, yeah, we'll do. We'll try to do a mischief night this year instead <laughs> of Halloween. What could possibly go wrong? <laughs> well, I that was kind of all. Like it's with these. Like Shan uses her degrees. They're kind of obviously going to be. We can only get into things so much. It's going to be introductory kind of just thinking about how things are celebrated, what the origins are. Very brief introductions, but I thought like. Samhain, of course, would be a good one to round out. And I guess it's an interesting one because it's gone through so many iterations, even the way that that it would have traditionally been celebrated and then kind of a bit more of a lean into fortune telling and things like that. And then now modern day trick-or-treating scary movie festivals, that kind of thing is so different. Yeah, yeah. And it'll continue to evolve. And I think there's certainly like a movement amongst people maybe more on the periphery but I'd be curious to see in you know like 10 or 20 years time there is this sort of move back towards like this this spiritual link and like as people get more into like their spirituality in terms you know even like more people doing meditations and crystals and tarot card readings and things like that like I wonder kind of will people in Ireland or otherwise start kind of moving back to this like connection to like the change of the season the harvest the you know the differences between the realms being quite thin and like trying to reconnect with like ancestors who have passed Mm -hmm. and things like that I'd be curious to see how that goes but sure only time will tell if this podcast is still going in 10 years we can reconvene (laughs) perfect I look forward to it Yes, but thank you so much, Emma, for coming on and sharing a bit of information and just talking about Halloween with me. Um, Of course, we will continue to push for you to understand that spring begins in March and not February. (laughs) But until then. uh, (laughs) I mean, I don't think that's going to happen anytime soon, but I look forward to to your continued efforts. Perfect. Thanks so much, Emma. (laughs) No problem. Right. So I hope you learned something and I hope you enjoyed this episode. If you couldn't tell by the logo that I keep during this time of year, I do love Halloween. So I was really excited to be able to get this episode out. And just it's obviously the very basics of Samhain. There's loads more, but hopefully it inspires you to kind of dig a bit deeper yourself and discover more for yourself. I have been recording and editing so much over the past few weeks, so I don't know if I'll chat to you next week but in the meantime be sure to give a follow on instagram at any crack podcast be sure to like subscribe follow review whatever you're allowed to do on the platform that you listen to this on please consider sharing it with a friend just one and to get it out to more people and in the meantime i'll 
chat to you when I chat to you. (laughs) Thanks so much for listening. Bye.